listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Arique, and well, I'm being joined by my co-host, Mr. Lorenzo Reyna. Lorenzo, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I guess you survived your first home football game this year. <laughs> if you want to call it a survived, uh, I was pretty much more more along the lines of being lulled to sleep for three quarters. So, yeah, I guess it, it would have. I guess it was one of those nights where you could have like busted out your pillow, your blanket, your your pajamas. And- <laughs> you could have you could have done whatever you wanted. You could have walked away from the game for three quarters, came back, and not even missed a thing. I mean, that's just the type of game it was. It, it took Fresno State four quarters to finally put the game away um, comfortably. Uh, let's just say that the 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 final score. A lot of fans thought that the final score was actually going to be the score by halftime. So that's where things kind of got a little a little crazy. And another thing, too, is that, I mean, I started to, like, trip out, like, when I was following the game on social media and also trying to follow it in on through the radio. I guess it's like the reverse version of what happened against Nebraska. Oh, it completely. I mean, uh, it was... It took Nebraska the into the fourth quarter to finally put the Bulldogs away, and uh, Fresno State it did the same thing with Sacramento State. I mean, it just it it was. Uh, I, I want to say it was an odd game to say the least. I mean, things just looked really off for the Bulldogs during this game. So, and you know, here's the other thing too. I mean, this was something that I alluded to last week when we were when we were recapping the Fresno State Nebraska game. Fresno State's defense kept Nebraska in check and kept the Bulldogs in this game for three quarters up until that final fourth quarter. It sounds to me, and it appears to me, that the Hornets were doing the same thing against Fresno State. Defense was keeping that team in the game. However, though, and I've been saying this for a while, you can have a legit lights-out defense for three quarters. But if your offense is stagnant, you can count on that defense to eventually wear down and it looked as if like that's what was the case with Sacramento State. And, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, at, at points, the defense for Sacramento State was in the backfield, uh, you know, on several occasions to disrupt uh, the plays for Fresno State. Uh, they put constant pressure on Virgil at one point, and, and uh, it really looked like it took the Bulldogs to get into late the third quarter till they, the offensive line could start figuring out how to block Sacramento State at at one point, it really did take them a while to kind of get things sorted out on the offensive line. Now you went to today's presser, and I'm sure you've also have uh, got had some conversations with um, some of the players and coaches. Did did you kind of feel as if that maybe Sacramento State was throwing something defensively at Fresno State that maybe they didn't expect, or was this more along the lines of Fresno State expected it, but there was just a, a very like very slow reaction to it well it, it looks to me and it sounds to me like um, most of the Fresno State issues that they had was not so much of what San, uh, Sacramento State was doing but more on the lines of Fresno State uh, having poor execution uh, mm. missed assignments and blocks 
um, just it, it, it just you know all the the general problems that a young team would have. But you know, a lot of us expected that to be kind of sorted out by now, um, especially against a, a Sacramento team who basically, you know, Sacramento, let, let's face it, they had nothing to lose. So they're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at you. So. Exactly. It's almost as if they threw the entire city of Sacramento, except for the Sacramento Kings, at Fresno State. <laughs> and, and you know what? <clears throat> if for them, it worked. They were able to disrupt plays. They were able to, uh, for, for about the first three series of the game, shut down Fresno State's run game, which, you know, let's, let's face it, it has struggled to, to find any kind of continuity uh, in, in getting going. And so they, they basically were able to kind of shut things down. And then for some reason, uh, the passing game was really off. Virgil was not setting his feet. He was missing wide open players. It, it was it was a nightmare for the Bulldogs. I mean, it was a nightmare up until that fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. Uh, but it, it the the more I sat there watching that game, I mean, especially going in at halftime, only ten to three, uh, and then and then just sitting there watching things progress going into the third quarter, late into the third quarter, and it's still really close. And I'm I'm thinking to myself. The longer this game stays closer, the more Sacramento State believes that they can win it. Mm-hmm. And, and and Sacramento State was was just about to, you know, start getting momentum going. And then the late interception happened, which kind of changed the whole feel of the game. You know, it's almost as if, like, this is probably the closest 31 to 3 contest that you've ever got a chance to watch because normally when a football fan looks at a 31 to three score, they're automatically thinking the losing team checked out. This was a route, that sort of thing. But from what it sounds like, it's almost as if this game was a lot closer than what the score indicated. Oh, it completely. I mean, if you look on paper, uh, you will, you know, anybody who did not watch the game or, or listen to the game, you look on paper, Fresno state dominated Sacramento state on paper, uh, as far as stats, everything. Um, but if you're at the game, that didn't happen. Sacramento State was in this game. They were they they manhandled the offensive line. Uh, they were able to to push everybody around the the Bulldog offense around easily. The only problem that Sacramento State had was they could not get anything going offensively, which was ultimately their downfall. Mm-hmm. So, but f- you know, for Fresno State. They should have been able to move the ball a lot more freely than they did, and it, it just, it, for a lot of fans, it, it left a bad taste in their mouth. I mean, uh, well, if you read our boards, the, the fans aren't happy. So, and you know what, they have, they have every right to not be happy because you know what, we were expecting Fresno State to really like blow this team out, especially considering the fact that Sacramento State was heading into Bulldog Stadium fresh off of a loss against Western Oregon, a Division Two school. Now, my whole thing throughout the whole week was, my initial thinking was, Sacramento State is going to have at least well over 30 players who are ticked off over the fact that Fresno State didn't give them an offer, or Fresno State didn't really get a chance to look at them. I mean, those players that I'm mentioning are the players who are from the corridor of Sacramento to Bakersfield. So, my initial thinking was, these guys are going to be one of the main reasons why Sacramento State stays in this game. Now defensively Sacramento State as you mentioned Lucio was lights out and you know it almost sounds as if they were throwing stuff that maybe Fresno State didn't see against the Nebraska game but again it goes back to what I've been saying it's like 
you know what? Your offense, your offense has to get going first. Your offense has to find a way to score points right away. That way the defense can just just remain comfortable with the fact that, you know what, they're going to do its job. They don't have to carry this team for three quarters. To tell you the truth, I think I know part of the problem that Fresno State was having was it all stems from, from the offensive line. The offensive line was having a multitude of problems. They were having missed assignments. They were getting blown off the line. And it was causing all of the problems that the offense was facing uh, because, you know, if, if the offensive line can't control the line, the run game can't get going, and the quarterback can't get comfortable because a lot of times Virgil was not setting his feet throwing the ball, and which happened to have a lot of missed passes. Now, luckily for Fresno State, they were going against a Sacramento State-run defense that was just as bad. I mean, against Western Oregon, the Hornets only averaged a measly 2.6 yards per carry. Yeah, and, and so that, uh, you know, it, it can result in a lot of problems when it comes to things like that. I mean, Virgil, Virgil was missing wide open wide receivers. So, and this was not sitting well with the, with the crowd. Uh, and to tell you the truth, I was kind of shaking my head as to what was going on there, if it was Virgil or if, you know, what was really the cause. But after watching it and really sitting there just kind of, trying to figure out what was going on. It was the offensive line that was giving Fresno State all the issues. Um, Here's a burning question and a question that we probably don't always get a chance to ask, but I feel like that we probably should ask it. Do you believe after the first two games there should be changes on the offensive line? I, you know what? Probably. Because um, something on the offensive line is not working. And if it's not working, then there's going to be all kinds of issues as far as trying to get that offensive offense going. And um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I couldn't tell that if going into the fourth quarter, if they did make some changes on the offensive line, because if they did, the offensive line started playing a lot better. So something must have happened. Either they started figuring things out of what Sacramento State was trying to do. But if, if that's the case, why did it take them almost four quarters to figure it out? Yeah, I feel like that. If, I mean, we, we've been talking about how young this offensive line is, and you know what? They're going to make some young miscues at the college level. But my whole thing is this. I feel like that you should give this unit at least two, maybe three more games to determine if these guys can actually adjust to the speed of college football defenses. And if there isn't, then you're going to have to find somebody to who's going to come in ready to go and basically provide a spark along the front five. And, and they're, the problem with Fresno State's offensive line, <laughs> they don't really have much depth. I mean, Yeah, that's the other issue, too. During fall camp, they actually had to move a couple of the defensive linemen um, over to the uh, offensive side just to add depth to, the, to an offensive line, which, you know, if that's the case, if this offensive line can't figure it out, they're going to be in a world of hurt throughout the season. And you know what? I think it might lead into our next topic, the Toledo game, because you know what? This Rockets team is not only legit, they get after it on defense. And you know what? Coming into this game, Fresno State's heading to Toledo, uh, going, I believe, if I remember correctly, it's 20 or or is it like 23-point underdogs, something like that. It, it's in the – I think it's either 20 or 23. I'm not really sure which one it is, but they're heading into that game just complete underdogs, so – 
you know that that tells you that the 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 Vegas um, you know bigwigs over there uh, have no faith in the Fresno State Bulldogs um, even competing against Toledo. So I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Lorenzo? Is that line about right, or do you think it's going to be a little bit different? You know what? I mean, I know a lot of Fresno State fans probably don't want to hear this, but the line actually is pretty accurate because from what I've been reading into regarding Toledo. This is a very legit football team. And, I mean, of course, they're not going to be ranked because of the fact that they've beaten teams like Arkansas State and Maine, and they haven't beaten anybody from the Power 5 realm. But you know what? They're 2-0 for a reason. And not only that, judging from what I've seen defensively and what I'm observing on the offensive side of the football, this is going to be a fast and, you know what, in a lot of ways, an even bigger test than the Nebraska game. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it, it, you know, a lot of people kept saying we're going to get a better gauge of where Fresno State is once they face off against Toledo. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of us are going to figure out how, just how good Fresno State is, and uh, a lot of us might not like, like what the answer is going to be. I mean, it, before, you know, after watching Nebraska, I was optimistic that, you know, the Bulldogs were going to be able to make some noise uh, heading into the season, but after watching what they did against Sacramento State, I'm not as optimistic anymore. Um, and here's the other, here's another thing too. It's like this is the game. This is officially the game. I know it's three weeks into the season, but this is officially the game where we re- we really need to see what kind of offense Fresno State is going to become. Because in this first two games of the season, you've seen it, Lucio. I'm sure our colleague Jackson Moore has seen it. This offense has started off slow. Either they're starting off slow or they're just inconsistent. They need a fast start now more than ever to establish any kind of confidence of actually beating Toledo. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, they they, they really need to kind of figure things out and uh, take. Uh, they might have to start taking more chances to start the game with. If you're going to run the ball three times and then you're out, what good is that going to do you? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they, that's exactly what they did against Sacramento State. They ran three plays, three run plays, did not get the first down and they were out. So, you know, what at that point you you kind of need to change it around. I'm still firm on my thoughts that Fresno State needs to to pass to set up the run right now and it, there's just no way around it. If you can't even run on a Sacramento State, what makes you think you're going to run against Toledo? And well, here's the thing. Toledo runs a 4-2-5. Now, for anybody who closely watches a 4-2-5 defense, Traditionally, 4-2-5 defenses tend to struggle against teams that are run-oriented. I mean, I, I'm sure you remember Fresno State a few years ago, Ryan Matthews had his breakout game against Boise State where he had like 244 yards. Well, that was against a 4-2-5 scheme. Another thing to consider, too, is that Toledo's defense is relatively young with only four returning starters. However, though, this is something that I feel like that I can't get too excited about because of the fact that in the two games Toledo has won, they've only allowed a combined 13 points. 13 points. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that doesn't bode well for the Bulldogs. Um, especially, you know, a team that uh, against Nebraska, what Fresno State managed, 10 points. Um, and, that, and that was a 4-3 defense. Yeah. And then at home, they only managed, uh, they managed what, I think it was 32 points? 31. 31 points against Sacramento State. 
It, which and those and those points, like twenty one of those points, came in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, um, they should have literally. I, I still am firm behind the feeling that that should have been the score by halftime. If they had things working properly, it would have easily been that by halftime. So I don't know what's going on as far as what they're going to do with the um, with the offensive line. Coach Tim DeRuiter knows there was something wrong. I mean, he he flat out said, you know, when when you win big, you you know you have minor things to 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 fix. When you win when you win, but not and you struggle for three quarters, you know you have big issues to fix. So he knows there's something going on there that needs to be looked at. And if he doesn't, this this crowd's not going to show up for the home games. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. And you know what? Here's another thing, too. It's like you talked about getting the running game going. It's going to be difficult to throw the football in the air against Toledo. I counted that Toledo's defense only gave up 65 yards last week through the air against Maine. And as we know, the 425 is designed to full full quarterbacks, and it's designed to defend the pass. Now, on the other hand, Toledo likes to throw the ball, and yeah. that's where they're going to play into Fresno State's. Uh, what I believe Fresno State's strength is going to be their pass defense. So, you know that that could kind of help even things out a little bit. But the problem is, you know, the defense can be lights out all night long, but if they don't figure things out in a hurry, the defense is not going to be able to go for four quarters. That's my whole yeah. My whole thing is this. You know, we talk about the offense trying to start off fast. Fresno State's pass defense has to be the one to set the tone, regardless if it's a sack, regardless if it's a fumble. But I'm thinking more interception. I'm thinking more like forcing early turnovers right away because the thing about this Toledo offense, it's a spread offense. They go no huddle, and when it gets going, it's deadly. In fact, Logan Woodside. The junior quarterback on Toledo, he connected on scoring strikes of 85, 64, 21, and 89 yards. Two of his touchdown throws were over 80 yards. And then he had that 64-yarder. So it goes to show you that when this offense gets going, Toledo is deadly. And and that's going to be a problem because, uh, you know, if uh, Fresno State's defense is able to, you know, able to kind of slow them down uh, early on, that that's – that's fine, but the offense needs to get going before uh, you know the defense starts putting their hands on their hips and starts getting tired. Because then Toledo's going to you know put it into another gear and the game is over. So Fresno State needs to come out firing. They need to be firing on all cylinders on offense in order to be able to to kind of withstand what they might be facing against Toledo. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it'd be a different story if Toledo was probably coming here, but. Fresno State's making the travel, and it's when teams start heading back east, that makes it a little harder to play. I really honestly wish, Lucio, that I can find any kind of weakness on the Toledo offense. I can't. Oh, no. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't find any, like, any ways you can exploit this, any matchups. I mean, the offense is more experienced than the defense with eight returning starters. You got a solid backfield duo of Kareem Hunt and Terry Swanson. We mentioned Woodson or Woodside, I should say, when he gets going, Toledo is lights out. I mean, you got four returning starters on the offensive line. I mean, again, I wish I could pinpoint, like, some kind of poison, or, I mean, I wish I could pinpoint (laughs) any kind of weakness on Toledo's end on offense. I'm having a hard time. 
Oh, I, I don't blame you. I mean, uh, I've looked at what Toledo can do too, and I just I think that uh, Toledo is uh, just got too much firepower for Fresno State to be able to uh, to do anything. Um, I mean, kind of like what Nebraska did. Nebraska, Nebraska to me was more one dimensional than than anything. That all they well, all they like do traditional well is Nebraska run. Teams. Yeah, all they do well is run. Um, Toledo is a little more well rounded. So it, things are going to be a little bit different, and and like I said earlier, when you when teams from the West Coast start traveling to the East Coast, it becomes a little bit more difficult because it's harder it's harder to adjust going east than it is coming west um, for teams. Oh, yeah, a lot of it deals with like the kickoff time and body chemistry. I mean that sort of thing. And another thing to keep in mind is that the last time Fresno State played against Toledo, it was a shootout, fifty five to fifty four. Yeah, here at Bulldog Stadium, wasn't it? No, it was at Toledo. It was at Toledo. I thought I thought the last meeting they had was here at Bulldog Stadium. And here's another funny thing. Fresno State has actually never lost a game against Toledo, but the last time Fresno State played against a team they never lost to was Rice University, and we saw how that went. Yeah, it didn't go over well. <laughs> but uh, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about this game. I don't know uh, where to even start. I mean... I honestly, Lucio, I here's here's how I feel. I mean, against the Nebraska game, yeah, deep down inside, I felt like Fresno State was still at a disadvantage, but I felt like that there were some potential matchups that Fresno State had an advantage on. Sacramento State game, it was more of the same, except I felt like the the whole entire advantage swung more toward the Bulldogs' way. But when I look at the Toledo matchups, I mean, again, it's hard to pinpoint like where Toledo is weak at right now. I mean, Toledo may be a MAC team, but they play as if they can be in the American Athletic Conference, maybe even the ACC. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I don't, uh, I have a hard time finding a weakness on this Toledo team uh, that the Bulldogs are going to be able to exploit. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you one thing. One observation I took from the Sacramento State game. And one that kind of concerns me. I know Virgil was having trouble with some of his accuracy during the game. Um, a lot of that had to do with not setting his feet properly. But one thing that was that it bugs me, and he was setting his feet properly, was when he throws the deep ball. Problem is, is he's missing his players by at least five to six yards who are wide open every time he throws a deep ball. And he has yet to connect on one in two games. He he really needs to settle himself. He needs to establish not only a trust with his receivers or a trust with his offensive line, but a trust with Eric Keyshaw. And I know that it's been a little bit more difficult because, you know, we spent our the early part of the show criticizing the offensive line. Well, this is definitely the game where, you know, if the offensive line does its job – then you know what that means Virgil has to do his job you know what's tough about this is that this is an offense that Fresno State has that's predicated on stretching the field problem is Virgil hasn't been able to do that in two games he's missed wide open receivers in both Nebraska and uh, here at home against uh, Sacramento State more so here at Sacramento uh, against Sacramento State than than anywhere he missed probably there was probably a good four to five plays that he threw deep. The receiver had steps on the defender 
and he flat out missed them. And there was one where the receiver actually took off when the defender stumbled and was wide open by 10 yards, and he still missed them. Here's the thing about Toledo defensively with its 4-2-5. For anybody who may not be too familiar with the MAC conference, just know this. In a lot of ways, it's no, it's either as not as different as the Mountain West or it may be completely different from the Mountain West because there, there actually is a lot of speed out there. There are several teams that like to run a spread offense, what Fresno State was hoping to do, and then you have their teams who want to fool people with the read option. Well, Toledo caters the defense to match that speed. And so already when I look at Toledo's defense, there's already the speed aspect that can be able to slow down and also rattle Chase and Virgil. And, and, you know, Chase and Virgil being rattled is not a good thing right now, especially with a young quarterback who's still trying to figure things out. You know, I'm almost I'm honestly starting to believe that even though that Toledo may have some looks where they have six in a box, I wouldn't doubt that you're probably going to see some multiple blitzes out of the secondary, out of the safeties, maybe even some stunts as well. I wouldn't doubt that they're going to throw the kitchen sink or maybe the entire state of Ohio at Chase and Virgil for this game. They're going to test this offensive line. I I truly believe it. If I was them, I would do the exact same thing. I mean, I would throw multiple different blitzes at them. Uh, You know, make make Virgil beat them because – Right now, they know the running game can't beat them. And they know that uh, the only way that Fresno State's going to win this is basically, you know, live and die by the arm of Virgil. And if they continue to blitz and and rush him and hurry him and everything, they're going to rattle the quarterback and and he's not going to be able to throw an accurate ball. So this now becomes the, the game of Toledo versus Virgil. Virgil's going to have to step up. And uh, and actually, you know, he's the one who's going to have to win this game. He's going to well, have to make those like, plays. Let's not neglect the offensive line either. I mean, this, this is definitely <laughs> a game where we need to see what kind of fortitude they really have. Well, you know what? If the offensive line can't block, start running, Virgil. <laughs> Just, Just read option plays. Get out of the, if the offensive line can't block, why don't you start moving the pocket? That's, that's usually what they do, right? You know, they start moving the quarterback around into space where he can throw the ball. Why not? Why not try that? Why not get Virgil moving and, and throwing on the run? I mean, there's no, it couldn't hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least then he has a fighting chance of staying upright. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I've always said that Virgil could be a good quarterback if he manages to stay upright throughout the season where he can actually learn. Now, if he keeps constantly uh, on his back, he's his confidence is going to go. And uh, well, I don't know. And so will the confidence of the entire team as well. Now, I, I tell you, the, the the receivers did a much better job of actually hauling in the passes that hit them in the hands. Okay. Um, you know, only maybe two plays where uh, the balls were dropped, but, you know, the defender was on them. You know, I, I give those two, you know, those I can live with. The passes hitting you right in the hands and you're dropping, I can't. Uh, but the the receivers did a, a much better job this game uh, of, of just catching the balls when they needed to be caught. Um, problem was that Virgil wasn't able to put him on the money. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, for three quarters he struggled. 
he seemed to come more alive in the fourth quarter and actually step into his throws and put him on the money, which uh, resulted in what we said, what, three touchdowns? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that uh, it makes a big difference when uh, when things are going right. If Fresno State manages to pull this upset against Toledo, then we're going to have a much better feeling about Fresno State potentially becoming the dark horse candidate in the Mountain West. You know, I felt like maybe they had a shot heading in um, into the Sacramento State game that maybe they had a shot of surprising people because, you know, let's face it, the uh, the West division is not all that, you know, all that strong right now. Uh, with the exception of San Diego State. With the exception of San Diego State. And, uh, you know, I don't see anybody else in, in there really – you know, at the caliber that is just going to pound on Fresno State. Uh, I'll tell you this though: I'm 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 beginning to worry a little bit about them heading into um, what what U, UNLV. I think UNLV is going to kind of surprise the Bulldogs. As it is, UNLV had UCLA on pins and needles. Yeah, after, so Tony Tony Sanchez has a potential monster in the making. After watching what UNLV has been doing, I'm I'm beginning to worry about that matchup later on in the season. Um, you know, Fresno State's going to have to do something uh, to at least split between ne- Nevada and UNLV. They they need to at least take one of those games in order to even have a shot at uh, making a title run. If if there's if there's any kind of effort against Toledo, like a respectable effort against the Rockets, then there should be a good level of confidence for Fresno State moving forward. But you know, again, it goes back to what we've been seeing. Fresno State's offense has to get it together starting now. I mean, Virgil has to be on the money with his throws. The offensive line needs to adjust to whatever schemes Toledo's going to throw at him. Big plays are needed out of the receiving core. Defensively, there's preventing Woodside from going off. You also got to keep junior wide receiver Cody Thompson in check because right now he is the leader in the nation with 37 yards per catch. And he's going to have that matchup of probably going against Taekwon Glass. Yeah, yeah, and Taekwon Glass is on a roll right now. Uh, he's uh, he's making the plays, and right now he is the leader of that defense. Uh, I I mean I that's the way I put it. He's the leader. I mean he he shows you know that he has the confidence to be able to do what he what he does, and that's just break up plays and make interceptions, and that's what he's been doing. Um, you know. One thing, one thing I did come away from this game, though, is realizing that maybe the best player on Fresno State's team is the punter. <laughs> the punter. Punter, you're the real MVP. I, I'm telling you, he did a great job. I mean, he has got a leg on him, and he was putting them exactly where they needed to be, which, uh, you know, for special teams, that's the, that's the highlight of the game is the punter. Uh, you know, otherwise... Fresno State showed uh, the coaching staff pretty much showed no confidence whatsoever on bringing in the kicking team to to kick a, a field goal that at one point I believe was like forty six yards. They opted mm-hmm. to punt the ball instead. Mm-hmm. So that 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 right me to me right there tells me they have no confidence in this kicking game as far as trying to kick a field goal. Other than that, the um, the kicking game has been great on kickoff. Kickoffs and punts, but was it uh, Blake Cusick, the punter? Exactly, Blake Cusick. He's the, uh, I believe, he's an incoming freshman, isn't he? 
Um, mm-hmm. But he he's been blasting that ball, you know, very good uh, in punting situations. But you know, it, it, it alarms me that the coaching staff has no confidence in the kicking game whatsoever, which could potentially be a big problem throughout the season. Uh, I mean, they're going to need the kicker to, to step up and actually make some field goals if Fresno State's going to be in some of these games, don't you think? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of by default you need a kicker. Yeah, especially when the game's on the line, you I, know? I, I mean, it's easy points. You've got to be able to, to trust As it is, I've it. already seen two NFL games where it came down to a field goal and it was a missed shot. Yeah, and, and that's – they need to at some point – let the kicker just kick because he is not going to get any confident if they don't let him. I mean, it's plain and simple right now. They show no confidence in him. Yeah. Even, I mean, here's the thing. Like you could think back to when Fresno state had Kevin Gessling. Gessling was vilified in Fresno because of the missed field goals he had against Wisconsin. But then came that record breaking kick against Utah state and all was well. So you almost feel like that you have to have a similar, similar approach with the kicking game here. Well, I believe back then he didn't he kick over a sixty-plus yarder. It was a fifty-nine yarder. It was fifty-nine. I thought it was a little over sixty, but he after that point the crowd got off his back. I mean, because he nailed a field goal for that that distance. That's probably what's going to need to happen. Is you know one of these kickers is going to have to make a, a shot that just seems impossible, and then maybe the confidence will will build from there. But it's like it's almost as if the coaching staff is afraid to put them in there to do anything. Because right now the crowd is not doing is is not negative towards the kicking game. Why? Because they haven't even seen the kicking game. <laughs> they don't even know. They're, they're, they're wondering like who. I feel like that even the Fresno State fans are wondering who's our kicker. I mean, they they haven't even seen the kicking game other than you know extra points. Uh, other than that, I mean. Give the dang kids a shot. I mean, come on. But, I mean, why did you give these guys a scholarship or a preferred walk-on opportunity when you're not even going to use them? I, I think right now, I, I, if I remember correctly, there's like four kickers on the team, mm-hmm. and you can't find one. I mean, really? You have a little bit of your soccer game in you, right, Lucio? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I should suit up and head on out there and you start kicking. You have left. <laughs> but I don't know. It's it just... It bugs me to the point where, you know, they need to figure something out as far as the kicking game. If you have no confidence in the kicking game, you might as well go out and put open tryouts for a new kicker over on campus because something needs to happen. Um, And, you know, whoever's supposed to be developing the kickers really needs to step up and start figuring that out. Moving on. What else? What what else did I see during this game? What what else can I harp on? <laughs> or should I find some positives? <laughs> well, I mean, I wish you would have found some positives. I mean, other than the fact they put up 31 points, but I think we covered it. We covered plenty of ground. Well, the, I guess the positives are is the defensive line continues to show up. They're they're they're, you know, have solidified a position that has been one of the biggest woes for Fresno State in the past you know, three or four years. Uh, the defensive backs continue to play very good uh, in shutting down uh, the opponent's wide receivers. Uh, let me see what else. Linebackers, pretty solid. So, you know what? I, you know, I give the game ball to the defense in, in, in this past game because they're the lone bright spot of the whole game. 
And you know what? Here's the thing. I mean, Fresno State's defense is now needed more than ever because, I mean, there's still that part of me that feels like that, and I hope I'm wrong, but there's still that part of me that feels like I'm not confident enough that Fresno State's offense can actually get going in this game. It might be another situation where the defense has to hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, but, you know, they're going to get tested a lot more in this game because Nebraska clearly was one-dimensional. I mean, yeah, you got Mike Riley, who's traditionally a balanced dude. Well, Nebraska is going to cater to the strength of the team, which is the running game. So Fresno State was expecting run the whole time. Sacramento State's strength is the running attack as well. So Fresno State's defense already knew that the running game was going to be apparent. And Fresno State, when you look at the makeshift of the defense, the 3-4 scheme under Lorenzo Ward, it's designed to stop the run. Well, it's going to be a lot more different. I mean, Toledo, once again, Toledo's a different beast. Toledo is balanced on both sides, and it's explosive when it gets going. So, to me, this is going to be the first real test for Ward and his defense. And, and you know what? The defense is going to, you know, the defense is going to need to do what they've been doing is keep the Bulldogs in this game, and the offense needs to wake up. I mean, the offense needs to start figuring things out. Uh, you know, we're, we're going into the third game of the season. Typically, by this point, they start to kind of figure things out. Because uh, we all knew the defense was way ahead of the offense. But now it's time for the offense to kind of start uh, showing that they know what they're doing. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a long losing season for the Bulldogs. And... Um, you know they're just going to miss another bowl game like they have uh, like they did last season. So I don't want to say that Fresno State's season is on the line in this game, but I think now is the time to establish some kind of confidence heading into the Mountain West slate, and I feel like it starts now. Yeah, they're going to have to see what they can do because you know once they get through Toledo, the week after that is not going to be any easier. It's actually going to get harder for some reason. Don't, don't you think the Tulsa game? Is yeah, it's going to be a whole nother monster. I mean, because Tulsa has dis they in their first game they dismantled San Jose State, and then last week I forget who they played, but they showed up really well again. So and Tulsa's another team that's no slouch either, especially in the American Athletic Conference. So if Fresno State cannot figure things out against Toledo and and at least keep the game respectable to a point where it's like okay, they're starting to kind of figure things out. I, I, I fear you know for the Tulsa, game. I mean, Tulsa actually did compete with Ohio State before Ohio State blew the game open. Well, guess what? Ohio State's supposed to do it because, you know, they're the number two in the land. They're Ohio State. They get the four or five-star guys. So, of course, they're going to blow the game open. But t- Tulsa's next opponent is North Carolina A&T at home. So you can already be assured that Tulsa is going to have a good sense of confidence heading into Bulldog Stadium on the 24th. But, but you know what? Tulsa... Um, actually stood toe to toe with Ohio for for quite some time in that game mm. until finally Ohio blew things open. So that to me is kind of scary. <laughs> yep. I mean, if they're able to to stick with like what Ohio's the number two team in the league right now, in, in the comp- in, the, in comp- the land, yeah, in the land right now. If they're able to stay toe to toe with them for 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 a point of a period of time. Uh, you know what does that say once they they come here to Bulldog Stadium? I mean that's gonna be that's gonna be another monster to deal with. So hopefully Fresno State are able to kind of start figuring things out offensively, um, you know, in this uh, Toledo game. So I don't know. I, I think 
I think that should wrap things up. I mean, it's sad that uh, this whole podcast was more negative than than positive, but you know, even even for a win, I'm telling you, Lorenzo, we're getting cynical in our age. I mean, <laughs> we are. We're 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 really looking. We're more. We're diving into more of what's really going on. What we really see. That's what it is. Well, it's just that you know everything I saw. I mean, yes, the Bulldogs won. Great, but they won very ugly, and and that to me doesn't sit well. Things things need to be cleaned up quite a bit in order for for me to kind of start changing my mind about this bulldog team. And the bottom line is this: if it weren't for that fourth quarter, Fresno State would be heading into Toledo at zero and two. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that fourth quarter, could you imagine the scoreline ending at ten to three? You know what kind of message that would send to the rest of the Mountain West? It'd be like <laughs> we don't have to worry about them. I mean, that's, exactly. That's what the message would have been, but. Since they finished the, the game at a thir- thirty-one to three, then the scoreline looks a little bit better on paper for those of those of us who didn't watch the game. But for those of us who were actually at the stadium, it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. I mean, it just it took way too long for things to start rolling. But that being said, Lorenzo, I think we're going to go ahead and start wrapping it up. And then coming back next week, we're gonna we're gonna kind of break down what we saw against Toledo. And and kind of get everyone set up for that uh, that game against Tulsa here at Bulldog Stadium. So Lorenzo, any other final thoughts? Nope. Other than that, come back to us next week. And you know what? Looks like unless an asteroid hits her, I'm gonna be in Bulldog Stadium on the 24th. There you go. And we just need to figure out where exactly you're gonna be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at that point, I, I think Lorenzo, why don't you go ahead and let people know how they can get a hold of us? At Red Wave Report on Twitter. Once again, at Red Wave Report on Twitter. If you're on Facebook, like the Facebook page, Red Wave Report. You'll see like updates from the press conference that Lucio attended. You also see our recaps and breakdowns. We'll also have our predictions of the Toledo game coming up this week as well. Yeah, so head on over to thebarkboard.com. We've got some stuff coming through the pipeline. Uh, Lorenzo just published a. I just published one of Lorenzo's stories about, uh, you know, what was it Chadwick Chuckwick Chuckwick I always I always want to say Chad I don't know why but uh, we just published a, a story on Chuck Wick, uh, the running back out of St. Bonaventure. So that's up on the website. Um, also, by the time you hear this podcast, the press conferences from today will already be up on the website. So check those out. Uh, and then there'll be some other recruiting articles coming through the pipeline later on this week. And uh, Jackson's already told me he's going to be trying to head out to some of the practices this week. So look for more information on that. So from all of us here at the Barkboard, I want to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.